0: Hi, this is Mordechai Fleischer and I am excited to bring you the latest edition of Understanding the Sins Discussed in the Torah as part of the Denver Community Kollel's Mile High Torah Podcast. This will be volume number seven. And today I am looking forward to discussing the Dar HaFlogah, the Generation of the Dispersion. Now, the Dar HaFlogah as described in the Torah with the commentary of Rashi basically describes a very strange situation where everyone in the world, some years after the Mabal, after the Great Flood, and the world had had rejuvenated itself and restarted and was doing well, and everyone lived together in one place, in a place called Shinar, which Rashi tells us is Bavel, or Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, and they all lived there. And Rashi tells us that they actually live in harmony with each other, having learned the lessons from the Dara from the generation of the Flood, that not getting along with each other and overreaching into each other's boundaries brings, brings destruction. So they were united. And they united together, and they said, let's build ourselves a tower. And the way it's explained by Rashi, by the other sources of Chazal and the Medrash, is that they wanted to wage war, so to speak, against God himself, against Hashem. Now, when you're four, five, six years old, and you hear this story in school, so it sounds very nice, we're going to wage war against Hashem. When you get older, and you hear that they wanted to fight against an invisible, omniscient, omnipotent being, it's a little hard to understand what exactly it means that they wanted to wage war against Hashem. So they're going to build this gigantic tower, and climb to the heavens, and wage war against Hashem. It sounds almost like the Soviet approach when uh, Yuri Gagarin went up into space. So they say that when he came down, he he announced and he told them that I went up into space and I looked for God in the heavens and I didn't find him. So you see, we, the Soviets, were right all, all along, there is no God. As if you were going to find some gigantic deity up when you go up into space. But of course, that's not the idea and Hashem is invisible, not just invisible in any any physical form, but beyond even any kind of verbal description. We cannot describe Hashem Himself. And that being the case, it's hard to understand what exactly it means that they wanted to wage war against Hashem. We're not dealing with stupid people over here. We're dealing with very smart people. The Torah doesn't discuss silly, foolish, childish people. The Torah discusses great people. Great people on the side of good, great people on the side of evil. The Torah discusses great people. And If these people were great, and they were smart, and they were intelligent, and they really had a real plan, it's very hard to swallow that their plan was, we're going to build a giant castle up into the sky, and then we're going to wage war against the father of us all, who lives up in the heavens somewhere, and we'll just bring our swords and fight against him. Very, very difficult to understand. So let's try to understand an approach of what exactly they were planning, what they were trying to do. and. What Hashem's punishment for their actions was. Because it's always important to understand, we know that Hashem always punishes Mida me the measure for measure. And the idea behind that Hashem punishes Mida me the measure for measure, is not just it's cute to uh, punish a person the way he uh, sinned and did wrong, but on a, on a deeper level, the idea is that punishment is really a consequence. Much like if you put your hand in the fire, you get burned. It's not a punishment, it's a consequence. Fire burns. If a person uh, smokes, he's going to pay the price in his lungs or other parts of his body down the line. It's not a punishment, it's a consequence. By the same token, when we talk about Hashem punishing a person for his sins, it's not so much a vindictive God meeting out his punishment, but rather Hashem set up a system of where a person will be burned by the fire that he sticks his hand into. If a person sticks his hand into the fire of sin, he will be burned by that very fire. And so that's the idea of measure, measure for measure. The very evil that a person creates is the very evil that comes back to bite him. So let's try to understand what is going on over here and how we are to understand this story of the generation of the dispersion. So the Nefesh HaKaim, Rebbe Chaim of Velazhen, others explain this idea as well. He explains that, in fact, they were not really planning on fighting a physical war against Hashem. To understand what the Nefesh explains, and again, others discuss this idea as well, we need to take a step back and understand the system that Hashem put into place in the world. I'm assuming that most everyone listening to this podcast is familiar with the idea that Hashem put a system of nature into place. And yes, we have an idea of overt miracles, which contravene nature, but in general, Hashem does not buck the system. He does not override or change the system that He put into place. It's very, very rare. In fact, it's so rare that The splitting of the sea, which was an enormous miracle that just completely contravened the laws of nature, needed to be uh, programmed into the original DNA when Hashem created the world. The DNA of the world and Hashem created the laws of nature that water flows, there had to be a program in there, a clause that said, except for when it's time to split the sea. At that point, uh, Hashem uh, split the sea and reversed the laws of nature, but there had to be a clause put into place. And one element of this of why a clause was necessary, is because Hashem does not contravene the laws that He put into place. And if that is true for the natural, physical world that we experience, it's also true when we talk about the spiritual world. There's a system of reward and punishment put into place. And while the reward and punishment of the world may not always be clear to us, Hashem may delay the reward, or delay the punishment, ultimately, within the world that is possible to be revealed to humanity, or for that matter, to other beings such as angels, that system of reward and punishment is a system that is put into place. And in addition to the idea of reward and punishment, there's also a system of spiritual beings, spiritual powers, angels. There are many layers of spiritual worlds that slowly devolve into our world and come down into our world. And so there are many, many different levels of creation. Before Hashem's goodness and the life that Hashem pumps into this world, actually reaches our world. If you want a, a, a muscle, if you want an example of this, an analogy would be understanding how a, a program runs on a computer because you have the electricity running through the wires. It goes into the computer. It runs through the computer programming, through the circuitry and poof, out on your screen pops a wonderful program of whatever it is you're doing, if you're playing a game, so your character is running around on the screen, you are controlling it, and he's blasting the bad guys, and if you are typing up a document, the letters appear on the screen. If you open up that computer, you're not going to see any A's and B's and C's uh, running through, jumping onto your computer screen. All you'll see are a bunch of tiny, very small circuits with electric currents running through them. Uh, But that is really the same thing. If you know how to read those uh, electric currents, if you know how to interpret them, you would see that it is precisely what is appearing on your screen, just in a different form. By the same token, Hashem provides light into the world. It goes through pipelines. We discussed some of these ideas of pipelines in past weeks, the ideas of cutting off or moving away from Hashem and tightening those pipelines through our actions and so on and so forth. But for our purposes, we need to understand that Hashem has many, many layers of worlds, spiritual worlds with different angels and spiritual powers there. And as we discussed in the podcast on, on idolatry, if you know what you're doing, you can tap into these worlds and into these powers and get what you want by pushing the right buttons. And so just as you understand, we understand that a hacker can hack into someone else's database and by pushing the right buttons gain, gain access to their money, to their information, and so on and so forth, they're not supposed to. It's not meant to operate that way. But you can hack into the system and take over the system if you know which buttons to push because that's how the system is created and wired. By the same token, humanity during this era had a brilliant idea. And they said, look, we saw what happened to the people who lived during the time of the Mabal, the generation of the flood. We see what happened to them. We see that starting up with God and trying to uh, just do whatever you want and thinking that you'll get away with it, sooner or later is going to catch up with you. And as we discussed in the podcast on the the generation of the flood, uh, the people living during that time kind of knew that sooner or later their evil actions would catch up with them and Hashem would unleash the evil that they had created and it would destroy them, but as long as it lasts, it lasts and we will suck all the pleasure and all the hedonistic pleasure and indulge our lusts and desires for as long as we can until finally it all just fell apart and gave way and evil just totally destroyed the world with the exception of Noach. And that's what we talked about there. And the people of the generation following the Mabul this particular generation said, we don't want that, it didn't work, it's not a good idea. So we had to figure out a different way to be able to enjoy life, to be able to do what we want, to not have to live by Hashem's rules and regulations, but not get destroyed. So what can we do? And they came up with this brilliant idea that if we can use the very system that Hashem put into place and hack into that system and take it over and push Hashem out of the very system that He created and that He currently controls, well then we'll be in control. And we'll be able to do whatever we want. And Hashem will be powerless to override our control. We will take it over. This ain't no ransomware. We're not just going to hold it for ransom. We are going to take control and hold on to it and run it ourselves. We will be in control and we will be in charge. And because Hashem put this system into place and because Hashem does not override the system, so He won't be able to stop us. That was their plan. And how are they going to do this? So, So, sources explain that really this gigantic tower was actually a gigantic temple. Perhaps we could think of the huge ziggurats that they find in various places of the world that are temples to various uh, idolatrous deities and gods, pagan worship and so on. They were going to construct a gigantic temple with a gigantic powerful idol and they were going to uh, use their knowledge of the system that Hashem created to take over the world. Now, what is that knowledge? of the world to take it over. Well, let's go back to Beratius. Let's go back to the beginning of creation. When Hashem creates the world, every single part of creation is created through a Vayomer, through a, and He said. Hashem said this. Hashem said, let there be light. Hashem said, let the waters gather. Hashem said, let there be lights in the heavens. So, everything that Hashem created in the world is through Hashem's utterance, through His speech, so to speak. And the idea is that the... Language of Hebrew, known as Losh Kodesh, the holy language or the holy tongue, is the language through which the world is created. And the world itself comes into existence, it swims into existence, into a physical reality, through the words and the letters themselves. Now this is not the time, we don't have the time, to get into an in-depth discussion of what different letters represent and so on. But suffice it to say that the holy tongue, the Hebrew language, is the language of creation. And everything that exists in the world is through the utterances of Hashem. The Gemara, the Talmud talks about that the world was created through ten utterances of Hashem. And every utterance creates another layer of the world, of the universe. And so this generation knew Hebrew. They spoke Hebrew. As the Torah tells us, they were all of one language, the language of Hebrew, Lush and Kodesh. And they knew how to use the words in the language to... Hack into the system to take it over, and by knowing what words to say and how to, in a sense, run the system through the Hebrew language, they could tap into these powers, these angels, these angelic forces that Hashem put into creation, and then they would be able to push Hashem out of the universe, so to speak, and they would take over the system themselves. So, just to give a synopsis, a synopsis up until this point, the plan was that they would build a gigantic tower or temple. With a, with a huge, very powerful idol on it, and through their knowledge of Hebrew, and their knowledge of how to tap into various powers within the system, both the natural and spiritual system of the world, of the universe that Hashem created, they would use that idolatrous force and their knowledge of Hebrew to take over and to be able to run the world themselves. If you speak the code, if you know the code, and you have the switches and the buttons with which to take it over, you can run the whole show yourself, and push Hashem out. That was the plan. Alas, they forgot one minor detail, and that is that Hashem is all-powerful. And while, yes, he did put a system into place, however, uh, he also has an override button. Hashem is all-powerful. And we have an idea that even though there is a natural system in, the pla- in place, Hashem can at any moment stop the natural system, if he so chooses, and he can override it. Now, he rarely, rarely does this. Hashem does not want to directly intervene uh, or anything of that sort. But, when necessary, Hashem does so. Sometimes in in an overt, miraculous way, sometimes indirectly, but the bottom line is that Hashem can intervene at any time that He so chooses. And this is one of those times where where the Torah says, Hashem says, let us go down, speaking to the heavenly court, and He says, let us go down, and let us see what's going on over there, and let us confuse their language. And the way the story is always told over, is that, and as, the simple understanding of the verses, and as Rashi explains it, what's going on over here when Hashem confuses their language is that Hashem uh, causes different people to start speaking different languages, and so they cannot communicate with each other anymore. And it's hard to build a building if you cannot communicate with other people around you. And as Rashi tells us, um, when they started having um, communication issues, so one person would ask for one thing, and the guy next to him would hand him something else. The first guy would get mad, he would whack him over the head, and a complete pandemonium and chaos ensued, and the whole thing fell apart. And then Hashem scattered the people throughout the world. So what is going on over here? Well, based on what we just explained, that the plan of this generation, of the dispersion, this Dara Floga, was that through their their united effort, Hashem could not stop them, and as Rashi tells us, they said that the Dara Mabul, the generation of the Flood, fell apart because they fell apart, because they overstepped their boundaries. Each one was spreading in his own way until just everything spread out of control and everything crumbled and just fell apart. We are going to unite together. And Hashem likes peace. Hashem likes Shalom. He will not stop us. When we, when we are united, we can achieve great things. And Hashem won't stop us. And based on the natural system, they were correct. But what did Hashem do? Hashem stepped in and He confused their language the very tool with which they were planning on taking over the world, Hashem took away from them. They can no longer speak and Kodesh. In addition, because they can no longer communicate what happened, their unity fell apart. And this, by the way, is a very important lesson in general to whenever we talk about unity. There's true unity and there's false superficial unity. And while false superficial unity has some degree of value, as evidenced in this case, as evidenced by the fact that Hashem did not totally destroy them as he did the Durham not just because of his oath to Noah, but Rashi tells us that Hashem did not totally destroy them or did not destroy them to a larger degree and still stay within the constraints of his oath to Noah because they had unity to some degree but what happened when things didn't go as planned, when they couldn't communicate? Rashi tells us that they started fighting with each other and this is the idea that a unity that is predicated upon perpetrating uh, wrongdoing is ultimately a superficial unity. Because true unity is only unity that is rooted in the source of everything, of the world of life in Hashem. When you have a unity that is rooted in evil, that's not true unity, because it doesn't ultimately unite in the source of ultimate unity in Hashem Himself. And so therefore, the rope that seems very nicely tied together, ultimately is fraying at its end, and sooner or later, it will fray and fall apart as that... Un- un- unraveling, moves down the rope. And that's exactly what happened over here. Once they couldn't communicate anymore, their unity began to unwind, began to fall apart and unraveled, and they, Hashem scattered them across the world. It was precisely the unity that led them to perpetrate this evil, and Hashem said, this kind of unity is not the kind of unity that I want, because it just creates evil, and it just creates madness, and it cannot exist, and therefore He scattered them throughout the world. And so, in essence, we have this midah connected mida over here, this measure for measure. They tried to take over the world from Hashem through their unity and through their knowledge of a single language, the holy tongue, Lashon Hakodesh. And so, in kind, they were punished. That Hashem took away that ability to speak their language, and He created disunity by giving all of them different languages. A total of seventy. There are seventy root nations discussed in the parsha of Noach, at the end of the, the parsha of Noach. Seventy basic uh, root individuals who are discussed, the 70 initial uh, descendants of Noach, who were the founders of the initial 70 nations. And those 70 nations, those 70 founders, each of those 70 founders and their descendants, their nations, had their own language. And that is the founding of the 70 nations of the world that are often spoken about in the Torah and the 70 languages that go along with them. So ultimately, if we look back now at the last few podcasts, we have over here a Dor Enosh, the generation of Enosh that began idolatry. And as we discussed them, the idea was, their attitude was, let's back away from Hashem, let's, uh, let's not stay too close, it's too intense, it's too difficult, we can get what we need through other forces in creation. And that was the generation of Enosh. The generation of the Mabel decided that the world, uh, yes, Hashem is all-powerful, and yes, Hashem can do what He wants, but uh, we don't want to have to live at that level of connecting to Hashem, so we'll just kind of ignore him for as long as we can get away with it, until Hashem decides that it's time for the piper to be paid and all the evil that we've perpetrated and all the evil that we've brought into the world and that we've created uh, just destroys everything. So they knew Hashem was there, they still didn't want to try and listen to Hashem's rules and laws and dictates and they just tried to get whatever they can and suck everything out of the world until Hashem would punish them. And now we have the Daraf Logo which tried a third approach, and that is yes Hashem is here. Yes, he can punish us, but we can try to outsmart him. We can try to wrest control of the world from Hashem and we can take control of it. But they forgot, as we discussed earlier, that Hashem has an override button, Hashem is all powerful, and he can put a stop to the very system he put into place anytime he wants, and that is what he did over here. And in doing so, he didn't just stop their plan he took the very means by which they plan on taking over creation and he took it away from them so that they would no longer be able to unite in a goal of creating and perpetrating evil. Rabbi Shimon Schwab uh, makes a very interesting observation after this entire conversation and he says that throughout history you will see that people have fought religious wars. In fact, some people who are less than fond of organized or any religion in general will often point to the evil, quote-unquote, of religion, and indeed some uh, religions are indeed quite evil, or have perpetrated enormous evil, and they will say that a very, very large percentage of the wars and of the suffering inflicted by one portion of humanity upon other portions of humanity is, is in the name of religion. And seemingly, Hashem has allowed this to occur throughout history, that religious wars have created an enormous amount of suffering and as the Jewish nation, we are no strangers to the suffering inflicted uh, upon us, upon us as a nation throughout history in the name of a religion. And Rabbi Shimon Schwab wonders why this is so. Why, why has Hashem orchestrated things in this way, that throughout history there are always re- religious wars? And he answers that the problem would be that if mankind were indeed to unite under a single religious banner, uh, and that religion is an idolatrous false religion, they can uh, perpetrate enormous damage and evil throughout the world. And so therefore Hashem has ensured that people will have various religions throughout history, and they'll always be fighting over them, and in this way uh, mankind cannot unite with a singular purpose of advancing their false idolatrous beliefs which would just take us back to the state of the draft Laga of the generation of dispersion. So in a certain sense the religious wars that we've seen throughout history are from a Uh, long-term, bigger picture point of view, the lesser of two evils that Hashem has given the world in order to ensure that the world is able to continue to exist and run as Hashem wants it to, as opposed to having a repeat of the generation of the dispersion. What this means for us uh, in today's day and age is that when all is said and done, we can try whatever we want, and today uh, we have in the world people who believe that science can cure all problems, or love can cure all, all, all problems, or whatever other movement can solve all, all our problems and ills, and so on and so forth. Uh, but I think science really is the overarching idea today that people look to to be able to solve every problem. We need to look no farther than our current COVID pandemic and the belief that many people have that you know once we have a vaccine and everyone will be vaccinated, so then this pandemic will go away, life goes back to normal, everything will be fine, and once again science has found a way to solve the problem, and science can solve Climate change and science can solve everything, and we as humans just have to get our act together and stop fighting. And allows and stop denying science, and allow science to cure all our problems. And in a sense, science has become the new religion for many people, in the sense that it will provide uh, the answer to all of our problems. And it's really not that different than the attitude of the people of the generation of the dispersion, who looked to their abilities to. Uh, run the world and to tap into the powers of the natural world perhaps not in the scientific way that we look at today but they believed that that they indeed could control the world if they through the knowledge that they had and Hashem stepped in and said "Uh uh-uh I can do whatever I want and I can uh, put uh, um, glitches into the system that'll stop you and that will prevent you from seeing your plans through and we see that today as well that yes uh there's no question that science and technology, many other areas of human life have taken many, many steps forward in terms of its physical development of the world. And, but that has brought with it enormous hubris and arrogance on the part of many segments of mankind of the idea that, that mankind now can just take over the world and run it and solve all its problems. And they forget about Hashem. And at any given moment, Hashem could step in and throw an enormous monkey wrench into all the plans and into all the plots and all the science in the world and all the technology in the world is not going to help one bit now of course we have to put in our effort and we should look for a vaccine and we should get vaccinated and Hashem should indeed um, grant that the vaccines that have been developed should be administered quickly and should indeed get, get rid of this pandemic but let's take the lessons of the generation of the dispersion of the Darah building enormous temples to be it idols or to science and uh, deciding that we can cure all our problems is not going to be the solution We need to remember that Hashem is in charge. And while we do put in our efforts in a halachically valid way through development of medicines and so on, of course not through idols, God forbid, but through medicine and science and so on, uh, we have to remember and turn to Hashem ultimately that these efforts be successful. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I wish you a wonderful day.